hey, happy Memorial Day weekend to uh, all my American listeners who are probably in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, or maybe they're just in the tens. I want to thank you for listening to uh, my latest uh, interview here on Too Lazy to Write, the podcast taking over the world. Woo, I don't know if you could hear that, but in the background on this Saturday afternoon, it is thunder and lightning in Northern Virginia. Uh, I'm John Baker, the real John Baker. Uh, <laughs> almost went into a, an Eminem rap there, but I didn't. And you're listening to Too Lazy to Write. Like I said, the podcast that's taken over the world. You can find me on TooLazyToWrite.com, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write.com. Uh, on iTunes, Google Play, when it's working, uh, when I get that right. And uh, on uh, Twitter, at the real John Baker, no H. Because uh, H is unnecessary. John, that's how it would be pronounced. John. I'd like to welcome President John F. Kennedy. Ask not. I'm going to do a whole show of my impersonations. Oh, they're great. My Jamaican man sounds exactly like my Irish man. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about this week's guest, my old friend. And I'm sure people are like, does this guy only interview friends? It turns out that a lot of people I know do some interesting stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, my old friend Randy Manis knew him from, know him rather, from uh, Camp Pripstein's where we were counselors together and friends for many years, many, many years. And uh, as some friendships do, they ebb and flow like the tides. Um, and we, we hooked up on the phone, on FaceTime actually, and Randy is a producer slash lawyer uh, working out of Toronto, doing some great things with uh, with uh, some some productions in Toronto, and he talks all about uh, his travels, his trials, his tribulations, his love of cinema, and uh, we mix in some nostalgia from our past, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, then I'm glad you listened anyway. So thanks a lot, and here's my interview I did with Randy Manis. Enjoy. So Randy, I haven't Man listened as much as I would like to, and I'm sure uh -oh. I would enjoy it. I haven't listened to the podcast, so I don't really know what it's all about. Don't worry. It's uh, you, when you hear the opening bars of the song I paid five dollars for on Fiverr. Actually, I paid fifteen for it. Have you been? No. So it's a website where you basically uh, type in what you want, and they will do stuff for you for like five bucks. Wow. So I wanted a song, and I told the guy what I wanted, and he gave it to me, and then I wanted a logo, and I told them what I wanted, and they gave it to me. And the whole thing cost like about $50 for everything. That's crazy. I've heard of that for the graphic design part of it, but not for the music. Yeah, I was talking actually to a friend of mine who is a producer, and like a radio producer, and he doesn't like it at all. Because he wants people to go to real people. Yeah, like he finds it it um, cheapens like his craft, I guess. Well, everybody who's established always hates how new technology disrupts, you know, like the old way of doing things. But that's why it's good for everybody else. If Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights taught us anything, it was that. Is that what he taught us? Well, he... <laughs> I, I, I missed that lesson, I think. <laughs> that's, that's the lesson I walked away with. <laughs> It was, you know, video is going to take over our industry and we should get on board. 
Right, right. Yeah. I guess I got to rewatch it. It's a good movie. It, it is a good movie. Hey, speaking of good movies. Even though Mark Wahlberg apologized for it. Oh, did he really? He said he was like ashamed of it. Oh, I don't. I thought it was a fine movie. I mean, I think it might have needed a better editor for some. I thought there were parts of it that just went on a little too long. Like the whole Alfred Molina part at the end where they're throwing firecrackers at him and stuff. I like all that stuff. Oh, you see, we disagree. Well, that's what makes the world interesting. But you know what we did disagree on? I wrote on Facebook a while ago something about um, the. I have a very different opinion of the word uh, great, something like that, when it came to the movie Anomalisa. You liked that movie, huh? I did like it a lot. That's so long ago. Why did you like like what like aside from um, animated oral sex? That's the only thing I remember about that movie. Honestly, it's so long ago. <laughs> I can't remember the specifics of that movie, but I just thought that the animation was very cool. It looked like the expressions and everything were just better than anything I'd ever seen, like the facial expressions. And then I think I was just like very into the story. I don't think I maybe didn't love the ending, but I was very into it. I just thought it was totally different and i always like anything that's different because we see so much of the same hey that leads me to one of my questions i was going to ask you and i have it written down right here With so are we into this now oh Is yeah we're part- yeah yeah we're going <laughs> i didn't even introduce you i'll do that in no. the in the other bit like i do a, i'll do a pre-recorded bit beforehand but you want to know what my question was that i wrote down yes i wrote without saying the word superhero what are you tired of seeing in movies these days well, I am very selective completely in almost any, you know, studio blockbuster kind of movie. I like I'm going to definitely see Deadpool because it's like a twist on something, but most of these movies, including the word that I'm not allowed to mention, like I don't see most of these things uh-huh. and I don't see you know, most movies that are put out on like 3,500 screens. I just like, I'm not that interested. I'm sort of over all those, although I make a bunch of exceptions every year, but I mostly am going to see, you know, movies for adults, which typically only come around in the last few months of the year. But then I, I guess I find stuff throughout the year. But you have, like, you have small, not small, you have younger children. So like, do they have an interest? Is that your exception? Well, you know, I don't go to like animated movies with them anymore. I used to see like all those Pixar movies and everything before I had kids. But in the last few years, I've just become totally sick of almost all these animated movies and I can't sit through them. So they're pretty much past those now. Honestly, at Christmas time, when I took a week off and saw like Oscar bait movies every single day, my older kids came with me. They saw, you know, the Winston Churchill movie, Shape of Water, Lady Bird, I, Tanya. <laughs> they came with me to all these movies. Okay, so you took your, your kid to see uh, Shape of Water. I did too. I took my 11-year-old son. Was your child that old or older? Yeah, he was, well, he was 13. And then my 13-year-old okay. son I took. And that was the weekend that I don't keep track of anything to do with Star Wars, but there was some Star Wars movie that opened that weekend. Okay. And every no, that's not sorry. That's not the Shape of Water. That was what is it called? Darkest Hour, the Winston Churchill movie. Yeah, yeah. I took him to see that the weekend that every other kid in the world went to see Star Wars, okay. and I told him that I thought it was very cool that he was seeing this like biopic of Winston Churchill instead. <laughs> uh, no, I took my daughter to see Shape of Water. My thirteen-year-old daughter. Okay, okay. So that's she's a bit older, and girls, as we know, are more mature than boys. But I didn't read. <laughs> 
like when I saw, I bought the ticket at the, at the kiosk. Right. And when it said like, you know, uh, graphic nudity and violence, I was like, ah, oh, I'm in America. Like everything's like a nipples, graphic nudity, you know, like, the but very, what was it? Just the masturbation in the bathtub and the, um, and the full frontal. He didn't get the masturbation in the bathtub. Right. I'll I don't think that. that my daughter necessarily noticed that was happening either. Yeah. But um, the scene where Michael, Sh- uh, Michael Shannon is, is having sex with his wife. Yeah. And she, she's talking about, she's like, oh, you want that Cadillac, don't you? I think my son thinks talking about Cadillacs is foreplay. <laughs> right. Well, that's probably better than any other idea he's going to get from anything he's going to find on the internet to teach him about sex. Yeah. It's probably better that he thinks that. So... <laughs> So I can imagine he'll be with like a girl when he's older and he'll be like, I like Cadillacs. <laughs> and she'll be like, what's a Cadillac? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was my first question. Hey, I noticed also though. Oh, you know what I want to ask you about? Um, you just did two movies, right? Like um, you have one coming out, Run This Town. Well, that we just finished production on, so okay. it won't come out for a while. We just wrapped like two weeks ago. Okay. So and that, that was shot where? In Toronto? In Toronto, yeah. And are you, so as a producer, because I was looking at your IMDb profile and you're listed as, as producer, you also have on a few of your credits, you're like legal consultant, because your background is in law, right? I do all these things. But was it entertainment law? Yes. Okay, and then, but you all, like, I, we've known each other for a while, right? That's fair to say. <laughs> yes, a long time. <laughs> and you've always had an interest in, uh, in film, right? Like, it's no secret. Yes. I'm not letting a cat out of a bag. No. Um, but so did you always see law as the way to get into film or was that just sort of a no. happy coincidence? No, not at all. Honestly, I went to law school because that was just like a thing that people I knew did. And I liked L.A. Law a lot. Yes, I, I know that. <laughs> and that seemed interesting. And, you know, I didn't really have you know, some drive to do anything in particular. I always loved movies, but I, it never, this is so crazy. It never occurred to me to work in movies because I didn't know anybody who did that. I never occurred to me to go to film school because everybody I knew was, you know, going to business school or becoming a teacher or being a lawyer or an accountant. That Mm -hmm. was a kind of, that's what I was exposed to. So it never occurred to me and only, once I already was a lawyer, that I started to think that I wanted to do something that was more exciting and started to try to figure out a way into film. So you sort of, you kind of created your own path into, into film. I did. Yeah. But, and then you started out with, it was a company that was called Think Film, Think Films. Yeah. Well, we're well, not no, allowed to talk worked, about that. I mean, I worked at a company called, uh, CFP, which was Cinepix Film Properties, that became, right when I started, like two months after I started, became the base of Lionsgate Films. Okay. So I just, I didn't know anything about how the business works. I very luckily fell kind of ass backwards into an amazing situation. It was a company that was like really trying to be an important player in independent film and like out of Canada into the States. So... I started to do like legal work and then eventually started to do acquisitions there and get involved more creatively. And it was, uh, so I ended up being at Lionsgate just as it was starting. So it was very lucky. And then after a few years there, uh, a bunch of us left and started think film. 
Is that sort of the normal um, like path people take? They go from, as you did, like starting out in one place and then leaving and becoming your own? Or is that something like foreign? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I mean, I would have liked to stay at Lionsgate. I loved it. I would have liked to stay, you know, for the rest of my life and like build a career there as, you know, some people get to do and stay at a company for a long time. But at that point, the company was really sort of centralizing in L.A., Mm-hmm. And I could have moved to LA and been part of that, but I wanted to stay in Toronto, so we decided to do our own thing. And for uh, better or for worse. And it's working out though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we did that company for a bunch of years. We sold it after about six years, uh, which was kind of always the plan to sell it at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, once we sold it, it very quickly. Uh, did I lose you? No, I can. I, I, oh, sorry, just, I'm just getting another call. So. Oh. Um, once we sold it, uh, you know, the, the people who bought it sort of didn't know what they were doing and the company kind of fell apart pretty quickly. Oh. Um, so since then, I started to do my own thing. So I've been producing, distributing a little bit, doing some entertainment law for a bunch of other producers and financiers and distributors. So I sort of work on films in lots of different ways. And I think of myself primarily as a producer, but... You know, I have a real entertainment legal practice and a sort of boutique distribution company in Canada. Okay, okay. Um, now, you see the word, you, you see like at the end of a movie, you'll see producer in like, you know, five different frames or ten different frames, whatever. I don't know, I'm making up words. <laughs> and and um, there's co-producer, co-executive producer, executive producer, blah, blah, blah what do you when you're on set are you on set sometimes depends on the movie if i'm producing then yes so what are you doing on set when you're producing well the producers work most of their work is done actually before you get to set i mean you have a job on set but really the producer's job is to you know find the script hire a director get actors find money okay you know everything kind of thing on set, if things are running smoothly, the producer has the least to do of anybody there. You know, you're sort of trying to support the director creatively. You're trying to make sure that, you know, everything gets done on the schedule that day and you're dealing with problems, basically. So if everything's running smoothly, the producer shouldn't hopefully be too busy on set. Um, the executive producer, you know, I've been executive producer in a lot of movies. That can take a lot of forms. Sometimes it's because... You help put together the financing sometimes because, you know, you were attached in some way at some point and that's your recognition. Sometimes you're, you know, you're doing some other function, but get that credit because people recognize that you've helped out a lot. And sometimes you're actually the producer, but you only get an executive <laughs> producer credit because there's a lot of people lobbying for it. So what? So I, I think of it as when I'm a producer, it's normally a project that I've developed and I've been involved very much creatively and have kind of done soup to nuts on the movie. And a, you know, exec producer, usually I've done something to help, um, hopefully something useful. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not my project from beginning to end creatively. But some of the stuff that you've worked on that you've been a part of has been uh, like uh, recognized during award season. I'm right about that, right? Like in, yes. in past, like uh, Murderball? Yes. Are you, uh, 
are you still in touch? Like, is that a thing? You still keep in touch with people you've, you've, you've been part of that murder ball story was excellent. Yeah. I mean, murder ball is like the, one of the things I'm most proud to have ever done. That's when we were at think film Mm -hmm. and we, you know, they had started making that movie and they'd shot like maybe a third of the movie and they didn't have the financing to complete it. And they kind of ran around town trying to find somebody to agree to finance the movie. And we had never financed a movie before, um, but we just loved the idea and we loved the footage they showed us. So we agreed to fully finance it. And I felt on that movie, you know, very affiliated with it creatively and just kind of loved it. And the people who made that movie, um, yeah, I'm definitely still in touch with them all, like including, you know, uh, the directors, the producer and doing another movie with one of the directors of that movie now. Um, and, and, and the principal subject, Mark Zupan is someone I'm in touch with as well. Oh, okay. Um, and then you had, uh, just recently at the last Academy Awards, uh, the, a movie now I'm going to probably get some of this wrong, but a movie you had purchased was nominated for best foreign film. Yeah. Two of them actually. Oh. Uh, it was the movie The Square that won the Palme d'Or in Cannes last mm-hmm. year, which was the Swedish entry, and uh, a Lebanese movie called The Insult um, that had played Telluride, and we picked it up. So those that's that's what we do in the distribution company, which is called The Archive. So we pick up you know specialized independent film. That was actually the first time we picked up foreign language movies, um, and we just got you know super lucky that they were nominated. Yeah, um, and you just got back from from France, right? Yes. And how so what what goes on there? My listeners who by the way are primarily friends and family, they want to know. They want to know what happens at the Cannes Film Festival. Is it Glenn Posner that I'm speaking to right now? <laughs> so you're actually you're speaking directly to Glenn who I think <laughs> might have passed it off to a few other OBGYNs. <laughs> right. So it's So if anybody I know in the Ottawa area is having a baby, I I'm a shout out to Glenn. Yeah, Mazeltov. Glenn is is right there doing his thing. <laughs> Um, well, so, you know, during Ken, like the film festival's happening, which is like the big event there. Um, but at the same time that that's happening, there's also just sort of a marketplace, which you can think of as like a glorified convention. So people are all there to see the festival, but it's really just an opportunity to meet and network and, but it's just, it's much nicer than some convention in some shitty hotel somewhere. People are meeting on their yachts and in nice hotels mm-hmm. and, you know, drinking rosé in the afternoon. So it's, uh, you know, not, sometimes the business is good and sometimes it's not good, but you can never really complain about going to do business in the south of France. But I'm, I'm guessing this year it was a little different. You mean in terms of like parties and stuff like that? Maybe there were a little uh, less parties and a little well, more I'm caution. Well, I'm not a big time party goer to begin with. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> shocking, I know. So, so I, you know, that's, it probably is different in that respect, but I'm not like, you know, going out to parties in villas someplace till three in the morning where anything, you know, like crazy is going on. Yeah. I'm like going for a good dinner and having a drink and trying to get to bed so I can work the next morning. I understand. I'm boring that way. Look, you got to do what you got to do, right? I have a whole bunch of questions here. Oh, you know what I'm going to ask you? How are you, John? Oh, I'm good. Everything's good. I'm in Virginia. If you ever get out here, if you're ever in D.C., if I, you know, I had dinner with a few uh, weeks ago. Who? A lovely dinner with our friend Ian. Oh, you did? Where? Like in Florida? No. Well, we had breakfast in Florida. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, he's very funny because he, he like wanted like a heart smart meal, which was like a ham sandwich. Which I don't <laughs> That's think what he had, a ham sandwich? Yeah, it was at like 1130 in the morning. It was a very weird time. To, right. to, I, don't know, I had pancakes. He's a weird kid. <laughs> yeah. But no, he was in D.C. Um, on business a few weeks ago. And I met him and we went out for uh, dinner. We had a lovely time. He didn't tell me this. But I think we were both exhausted. I think we had plans. Af- like, we, we kind of thought we'd go out afterwards. And he was yawning near the end. And I just wanted to drive back home. We were both pooped. Right. Um, so aside from... The, I don't know. Do you ever get to Washington? For Not you? really. No, I'd love to. But I don't really ever have any reason to. He, Ian... Uh, wa- buddy. I don't know what I'm calling him I don't Ian. call him Ian ever, yeah. right? but I know who you mean. He wanted to go sit uh, on a park bench in front of the Washington Monument and exchange files. Oh. Much like very Donald Sutherland. Yes, him. exactly. He, I think, I think he wanted to be Sutherland too. Right. Well, every time I've ever seen a movie with him, he'll say like, "If you see like, I always remember for some reason like Robert Duvall in The Apostle," and he'll turn to me and say, "I want to be a preacher." Like whatever we're watching, he always wants to be whatever is in the movie. <laughs> I actually, we, so there's a film festival here, like about 10 minutes from my house called the Washington West Film Festival. It's a very small festival and it's, um, I guess like it's a showing one, like there's no acquisitions bought or it's, it's a showcase. Mm-hmm. And, um, the director of the festival somehow became friendly with Robert Duvall and cause he has a farmhouse like a, in Maryland somewhere. So he's close by. So he had he's had Robert Duvall come to the festival for the past few years, and I I volunteered at it this year, and uh, I was sitting in this area and Robert Duvall was there, and he was eating a granola bar, which is not good for a man of his age. It's, it's not good. Well, no, it's a very it ho- sorry. It's like, well, you're kind of you've frozen on me. Oh, there we go. Now you're back. Well, it's, it's, it's a hard substance, and he's 85, so it was hurting his teeth. <laughs> so I said, excuse me, Mr. Duval, can I get you some water? And he said, that would be great. <laughs> That's nice of you. You're a real good Samaritan. Yeah, I got Robert Duval water. And then I asked him if he still tangos. <laughs> oh, and he doesn't probably. No, he does. His wife was what? there. What movie did he tango in? He it was a movie he did recently where he he tangos. He's a big tango guy. He's like we do right. it. He said like they do it on weekends at their house. It's a very big family thing. And I don't know, anyway. maybe you could snag an invite. Oh, to the Duvals tango party. <laughs> How's your tangoing? It's, I'd have to brush up. I don't think I've seen you in person. Maybe in since I saw you like in line for David Letterman in New York. That I think was the last time. That's a long time ago. And that was, aside from the highlight of seeing you, that Letterman show, and aside from seeing Letterman, that was a terrible show. Yes. It was, it was. awful, right? Even the friends that I brought, they were kind of like, oh, we thought it would be fun to go to this, but it really wasn't. Like, I, the, I don't, I remember Exhibit was, was the musical guest, and a woman who was on a TV show that was developed by Barry Sonfeld, Sonfeld. It was, yeah, some blonde woman. Yeah. But I didn't know. And I've like seen her around since then, and some like John Madden impersonation. Oh yes! Oh, it was terrible. I forgot about him. <laughs> he was awful. Yeah, it's and, like uh, why would anyone want to see that? It and was, my wife was Dave falling asleep. Totally over it too. Yeah, it was. It was just horrible. 
And I remember Letterman before the show started said the word shit and it kind of disappointed me. Why? I think that you'd like seeing like behind the curtain. I don't know. It would be like, I don't know. I don't know. It just, hey, speaking of talk shows, that's a question I've been, if you were familiar with my podcast, (laughs) I always ask my guests if they were to be on a talk show, what, what song would they like to come out to? Oh, I mean, that's really a tough question. Um, I mean, I guess it would depend on why I was on the talk show, really, because... But, like, if you were, let's say, a cast member of Friends, for example, and Friends right. had ended 20 years ago, and right. they still brought you out to that song, right. you'd be a little upset about that, right? Yeah, because it's not the only thing I've done, right? Right, so if there was, like, a murder ball theme, right, you wouldn't want to be brought out to that. Yeah, I mean, I guess Murderball, I like that music, and it's, you know, stands the test of time, but... Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to come out to like a Bon Jovi song. That would seem right silly. It would seem right silly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really, I don't have a great answer. I'm going to go with the murder ball theme actually, okay? because I think that, you know, that composer did a good job and I like that music and lots of people have tried to license it since then. Oh, really? For like, I'm I'm gonna guess sporting, sporting, like, like for commercials, yeah, for stuff. ads for like Nike yeah. or whatever. Yeah, um, you, uh, I'm gonna bounce all over the place because I have some stuff written down. Yeah, you also did a movie. I wanted to ask you about this earlier called uh, Jonathan with yes with, and I can't get his name right ever. And is it Ansel? Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort. I find it really funny that there's two very popular actors right now in Hollywood, one named Ansel Elgort and the other one named... Oh, he's Alden a, Aaron Wright. Yes. Yeah. What are the odds? Right. <laughs> like, they're very not normal names. So now this guy's in, in the movie, in Jonathan. What's this movie about? He's the star of the movie. Okay, he's the star of the movie. Well, to really tell you what it's about spoils it. Okay. So I'll just tell you kind of how we set it up. You know, because it's one of those movies we're sort of discovering at the beginning, like, what's really going on here kind of thing. And so I don't want to tell you that. Um, but basically, you meet a guy, played by Ansel Elgort, who uh, goes to work, comes home in the middle of the day, and eats a dinner that uh, – prepares dinner for himself, eats half of it, puts the rest in the fridge, goes to sleep in the middle of the day – and when he wakes up in the morning, he watches a video that tells him about the second half of his day. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of the intrigue, and we end up learning that Ansel is sort of, his character is, um, you know, got a very regimented, routine life that he has to follow rules for certain reasons. And of course, during the course of the movie, everything goes off the rails, and uh, it involves a woman that he meets. Of course, that's mm-hmm. why things go off the rails, and he has to try to, you know, get his life back into order. And Ansel plays two parts, so it's you get to see him create two different characters, um, and he's amazing. So, so it's really great. So now, the, now would you, you consider this a smaller movie? This is like this isn't like a, a blockbuster, right? Well, like it's a independently financed, you know, sort of specialized okay. movie. It's not, yeah. But then when a, when a, when an actor like that ends up doing a movie like Baby Driver, does that help your film get more exposure i think so yeah that's the idea i mean he had made baby driver already when we shot our movie but it hadn't come out yet 
Um, and, you know, we cast Ansel for creative reasons because mm-hmm. he was the right guy and a good actor, but we also knew that he had, you know, some things in his past and some stuff coming up that were going to be cool and, you know, help elevate his profile and hence the profile of the movie. It reminds me of a, of a you know, Michael J. Fox in a Teen Wolf movie, but Back to the Future became the successful film, which helped Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf came out afterwards. Yeah, right. I remember I went to see it because I was such a big fan of Back to the Future. And as you know, really, as we may have discussed, I, I have never, um, I haven't mentioned the sport yet. Have you shown back to the future? Obviously many times to your kids. Yeah, we've seen, uh, it was funny. There was a movie theater in Ottawa called the Mayfair and every, uh, year they started this tradition on family day. They would show a movie for free and before it became really popular, um, because the we went and saw Back to the Future, but then the next year, uh, they they did Princess Bride, and by that point, like everybody knew about it, so the lineup was around the block, and you couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. But I took them to see um, uh, Back to the Future, and it was great. They loved it, but the crowd got really, really. Uh, they groaned when it was discovered that it was the Libyans. Cause I guess there was some politics going on in the really? world. Really? Yeah. People were like, Oh really? We have to do that. Yeah. We have to, is, does that bother you at all about like, um, like sensitivity that, that, that like you, you'll look at, if you're looking at a script, are you like aware that, Oh, people, if, if, if the film takes place, let's say in, you know, 1960 in Georgia, there's going to be a word in there that we're going to see a lot. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, I'm certainly sensitive to all of these sensitivities when I read scripts and certainly when we're creating characters or casting roles, I think we're aiming for inclusiveness and diversity and trying to reflect the world around us. I don't like revisiting the past. You know, I don't, you know, Molly Ringwald wrote that article about, you know, all the ways her characters appeared in those John Hughes movies. And I... I understand that, but I don't want to like go back and ruin the past movies that we enjoyed. We can't enjoy them anymore through this new lens. We can do better going forward, but I don't want to, you know, not enjoy back to the uh, breakfast club that I've seen 35 times. And all of a sudden that's not something we can enjoy anymore. We could, it's like a piece of history in a moment in time. And it was characters. It's not, you know, it's not reflective of something that was going on behind the scenes, which we can condemn. This is about like the writing and the story. Yeah, and it, and the character that that I was going to say, Judd Hirsch. That's the wrong Judd. <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> but the character that he played would have. I know, like she was she was talking about like the scene with where he looks up her skirt, right? Yeah, and, and uh, but that's something he would have done. Like that character would have done that. Right, and he, the thing is, I guess he's never condemned for it. She ends up, like, falling for him in the movie, which is, you know, not the right, the right lesson. But also, stories happen. Within the context of a movie, you have characters who make bad decisions and characters who are assholes. Are yeah. we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, are you going no, no, to believe it? No, I, I tick off the explicit language uh, tab on when I upload it, too. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then Apple does the rest. They say naughty word. Right. Yeah. But no, we can say shit. We can say fuck. I've never said the C word. Oh, no, I have. I have. I have. <laughs> um, but, um, 
yeah, it's funny because I'll I'll watch uh, Sixteen Candles. Sometimes it'll just show up on like HBO or something, and there's so much wrong with that movie now. Like if you look at it, you know he uh, what's his name Jake, uh, whatever his last name is, but he basically tells Anthony Michael Hall do whatever you want with her. <laughs> That's not the message we want to convey. Right, but are movies supposed to be about messages, or are they supposed to be reflecting different people in the world? So, you know, I mean, I probably wouldn't put that sort of thing in a movie right now unless that character got his comeuppance. Then it's okay. But, you know, shouldn't we really be able to do that to reflect people who are dicks? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's good to have some character recognize that they're a dick so that, you know... It doesn't seem like it's condoned in some way. And yet he wasn't a dick in the movie because he got the girl in the end. And Right. Um, and now I want to ask you about something totally different. All right, let's switch gears. Let's, but it's still film related. You made a movie with the Beastie Boys. Yes. What was that like? Um, well, you know, I am the strangest example of a Jewish male of my generation that I was like the only person in the world who was not a Beastie Boys fan. I, not that I didn't like them. I just somehow the Beastie Boys and I never really overlapped like everybody else that I ever encounter who's Jewish male and around my age. Yeah. So when we decided, by the way, I'm with you. I'm not, uh, yeah, I I think I have Paul's boutique and yeah. Whatever. Like, I'd never heard of Paul's Boutique at the time. I okay. couldn't name any song other than the one song they don't like. Right. Uh, you have to fight for your right to party. That's the only song I knew at the time. And uh, so I thought it was cool that we were doing something with them. Everybody in the office was, like, off the charts, so excited that we were doing it. And to me, it was just a really cool concept. I don't know if you ever saw it, but they gave cameras to, like, 75 people in different places in Madison Square Garden and they spliced it together so to me it was like a revolutionary kind of concert film from a band that was so well respected and had this huge following it actually didn't perform particularly well for us as a company um, but solidified a great relationship with those guys and Adam Yao was somebody that I worked with for a lot of years afterwards in a business affairs capacity and stuff uh, until unfortunately he passed away mm-hmm. And that's but I still work with this company. Okay. Um, you know, they started, he was, became very interested in film after that. I mean, he was probably interested before, but as a business. And he started a distribution company called Oscilloscope, which picks up like, you know, sort of a certain type of indie film, usually that's smart and unique and challenging. And, you know, they've had a great run and they continue to pick up a whole bunch of movies every year, which is like part of his legacy. Oh, okay. Which all sort of came out of that first movie. Interesting. Interesting. So there you go. You d- and are you a fan now of the music or you don't? I mean, I know some of the music now. It's not like exactly my thing, but, you know, like I, I'm i aware of Brass Monkey and Sabotage now <laughs> that I wasn't at the time. Plus they did when we premiered it at Sundance. They came and did this little concert and, you know, I mean, it's very obviously you become more affiliated with it when you're there at their concert and they're promoting your movie and everything. So, um I respect them very much as artists. Is there anybody that uh, you've been with that you've met uh, where you kind of had to pinch yourself and 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 sort of take a step back and and like grasp the enormity? Like, oh my God, I'm standing next to, or I'm talking to, or I'm in a meeting with whomever. I mean, probably lots of people because I mean, I'm less starstruck 
than I used to be. You know, like growing up, I was very like celebrity obsessed and part of being a movie buff and everything. And if I would go to like LA with my family, I'd be just looking everywhere to hopefully see somebody, you know, now, not that I'm like cynical about it or anything, but I think I've met enough people that I guess, and you know, some of them are not nice yeah. when you deal with them in professional capacity, um, that I get less excited about it. But certainly I think I get more excited if I'm meeting directors now, I think than actors. I really think a lot of those people are geniuses. Mm-hmm. So, um, I never met Steven Spielberg, but I saw him up close. Um, I met Robert Zemeckis once, made a fool of myself. You, I told you about that. You told me about that. It was a great story. Uh, that was like the, the the stupidest I ever acted with a celebrity. You know, usually if I meet someone in a business capacity, you're talking about work. So it's kind of, you know, yeah. you're on a more equal kind of footing. Um, I'm not sure... Like even when I had a, like I had a, we were distributed one of Spike Lee's movies here in Canada. So had lunch with him. Like I thought that was really, really cool. And he's really interesting to talk to. Um, But I guess I've met lots of people that I really respect that, you know, I thought were, was, were exciting. People that I, you know, called my wife afterwards to say that I met. (laughs) Um, That's the standard now. It's a big deal. You call your wife. Yes. And she's an actress, right? I mean, she's a doctor. She's a doctor. But I'm friends with her on Facebook, and I always see these great posts of her doing performances for... Well, she does... She's a singer, like amateur singer, but she's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So she does a lot of musical theater, and now she's actually in a band. So I say that I made her into a rock star, because even though I had nothing to do with her musical ability, when I met her, she wasn't a rock star, and now she is. You've transformed her. something to do with it, yeah. Um... You took. I know on Facebook you took her to see Hamilton. Was it was it worth the hype? Was is is it is it is it all that? It really was. Actually, I didn't know really anything about it before we went. I took her because she's like a musical theater geek, and mm-hmm. I knew that it was. She really really wanted to see it, and she loved it so much. She was like almost couldn't speak afterwards. She was so overwhelmed. Um, and I also, and I'm not as into that stuff. Thought it was really amazing. It has nothing to do with the city of Hamilton, right? Nothing at all. Oh, well, then I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> all Hamilton all the time for you. Only if it's about Hamilton, Ontario. Right. Which I was surprised to see that a majority of um, The Shape of Water was filmed there. Oh, was it? Yeah. I know they shot a lot in Toronto. We're going to shoot a movie in Hamilton this summer, it looks like. What's the deal with Hamilton? Is it just better rates or is it... it can yeah, mimic... I mean, because you're out of the zone, you get a better tax credit there. Uh-huh. But it's also like, you know, a very different look than Toronto. So, uh, you know, it's a different kind of setting for a movie. Um, so we shot a movie that was sort of set in a small town there a few years ago called The Calling with Susan Sarandon. And we're shooting a horror movie there this summer. Okay. It's I funny. Hope. It's funny you talk about calling your wife. I met somebody a few years ago in Ottawa. Um, and Sandra I, O. Well, no, but actually, it was funny because we went to LA a few years ago and we went out for brec- for brunch with her. Uh-huh. And it's funny when you go out with somebody and you know them from a different time of your life. Um, like I can act like normal around her, I guess, right? Because I right. never. And then you see people coming up and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm meeting you!" And blah. And it's it's kind of interesting when you're when you see that, right? Um, no, yeah, but, like I don't have anyone that I knew growing up who's famous in that way, 
but I've gone sometimes for meals with people who are famous, and it's interesting to see the dynamic from the other side of people coming up or... Um, Oh, here's a good one. When you said anyone that I thought, like, it was just last year in Cannes, we had a meeting with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. That's cool. Which is not like I've been the biggest Arnold Schwarzenegger fan in my whole life, but it was just that's such a huge star. Yeah. And he actually had reached out to us to meet for for some strange reason um, on a project that we were working on, which didn't lead anywhere. But we ended up, you know, having a 20-minute meeting with him over a drink, and it was really fun yeah uh it didn't lead to business but it was a cool thing to do and it's a good story yeah when i found out yesterday that sylvester stallone was in dc i was gonna go be a fanboy and try to find him but then i thought eh, i don't really care that much right because he helped get jack johnson pardoned i saw that not the singer no i know <laughs> the boxer are you still a fan of the uh, of the sweet science I was not really ever a fan. My brother was. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to watch a lot of boxing with him, and I enjoyed watching it, but I wasn't like a fan. I wouldn't watch it or pay attention to it without him bringing me along. Okay. I want to uh, just tell you that one. So I met somebody a few years ago. It was somebody who you and I both saw in concert twice. Oh. And um, uh, when I was waiting for him, because I, I was in a van waiting, because I volunteered at a, at a music festival, and he was performing. So I'm waiting for him and I have my wife on speakerphone and I'm like giving her the, the rundown. I'm like, he's left the building. He's walking this way. Yeah, no, I see him. He's wearing like a purple suit. No, he looks great. He looks fantastic. Okay, I got to go. He's getting in the van. Goodbye. And um, yeah, but then after I dropped him off, I was like, oh my God. He was oh, so you drove him? Oh, I drove him for like the whole day. I, I had him to myself. I actually and mentioned um, you asking him about the song Blaze of Glory. <laughs> Did you tell him the stupid way that I asked him? <laughs> that I asked him if he knew that song? <laughs> I don't know if I said that. I just said, <laughs> I told him about this conversation. But funnily enough, his drummer, now the guy who's touring with him, Doug Yowell, Yowell, Yowell um, is now a friend of mine because I had him on my podcast. Oh. And uh, he, so he was just in Washington a few weeks ago touring with Suzanne Vega. And we he invited us to the show and we we met him after the show and we met her and it was really it was cool it was just i got her to sign a ticket from uh 30 some years ago when when i saw her which of course you still have yeah i do <laughs> i have many tickets do you not keep your concert tickets i mean i used to keep them but i don't anymore well now it's like i was telling this to my kids we used to get tickets now it's like yeah, on your I phone print something out or something you know it's just but I like that. I like the, the, like the souvenir, I guess. of. of I know, but the, the things we used to do, like how you used to, during a concert, make a list of the songs so you'd have the playlist afterwards. <laughs> right. Now it's just online. I know. They ruin everything. That was fun. I know. Do you want to know? I still have that playlist, by the way, upstairs. If I could, if I had it. I think I'd... we got into an argument over that playlist. Well, you, I remember the second concert, we came back to camp and you were the like. The second concert. You were like, would you have liked it if he, you listed all the songs he didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first concert we had a great time. I remember the second Sim one not as much. Do you remember Simone went out and threw up? <laughs> Who? Simone. It she was threw up during the concert. Yeah, she left the concert, and and I think you and I were sitting next to each other, and we we're like, should one of us go, like, see if she's okay? We're like, it's Joe Jackson. We're not. Gonna yeah, go we're there. not going anywhere. 
No, I don't remember that part of it. I remember that. I, I remember block that out. I remember we got a great parking spot right on Saint Denis. Are you are you going to interview her for the podcast, Simone? Yeah, maybe. She She's would, interesting. I I actually saw her when I was in Florida. Oh, she told me that actually. Did she? Do you, oh, yeah. but you don't go to Florida, right? Or do you? Sometimes I do, but I didn't. We don't normally go at Christmas time. Oh well, if you go this Christmas, we'll all get together. We can all go to Century Village and see Ian, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know what else. So you've been to you've been to Con, you've been to Sundance, you've been to the Academy Awards. You've been to the Academy Awards. Yes, People's Choice Awards. Not in a long time. No, I've never <laughs> been to the People's Choice Awards. Uh, Independent Spirit. Yes. How does that compare to uh, say the Academy Awards? I mean, it's fun. I haven't gone in a long time. It's different because there's so many people in the industry that are there that you're that you know. So, you know, you're you're not like at the Academy Awards. I'm like the least important person in the room, kind of thing. And you go to the Independent Spirit Awards, you see a lot of colleagues that you see at film markets and festivals and stuff like that. So, it's fun the way it's much more casual. It seems more intimate too. Like the clips I've seen on television, it seems a lot more intimate than the yeah i mean they give you food and wine and you know the actors who are nominated are just sitting at tables nearby and you know and it's usually funnier and a little raunchier yeah in the comedy and stuff like that um so i think i think the last time i went maybe i don't know if it was like i forget if i'd seen this on tv or this something it was at but sarah silverman had hosted which was really funny and nick kroll's been hosting and yeah. this has been a lot it's just much funnier i think than the Oscars that are a little bit more political and stuffier. and They seem to um, be. But I haven't gone in a long time, and I don't know if I'll ever get to go again. Why not? Well, let's work on something. <laughs> I always <laughs> found it funny when they when they would show, like, independent, uh, like a, a Woody Allen movie, let's say, for example, would be nominated. Right. And you never really think of a Woody Allen film as being an independent film, but I guess in your in that world it is, Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of debate about that stuff over the years, but sometimes they do it as kind of a budget threshold. Okay. I think there's like a $20 million budget threshold, which is, you know, not really what I think of as most independent films, but certainly some qualify. I think it's a wide range. When they get to the best picture, they usually have some movie that was made for half a million dollars and some movie that was made for $20 million with like huge Hollywood stars and you know, released on 2,500 screens and is a totally different movie. Yeah, I've often wondered about that. Or they'll have the big names who you kind of know might win. I don't know. I'm just talking out my ass now. I think the coffee's worn off. Um, Do you have plans for the summer? Um, Well, you know, I planned on sort of taking it kind of easier work-wise. We do have this movie that's probably going to happen this summer, so that will interfere with the relaxation a little bit, but I'm happy we're making this movie we're doing with Jay Baruchel. Um, a local boy. Yeah, I mean, he's a Montrealer like me, but lives here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then other than that, you know, at the end of the summer, I'm hoping to go with my family to Hawaii. Oh, nice. Hopefully the uh, eruptions will have stopped. Exactly. That's why one of the reasons it's a hopefully, but we've been talking about it for many years when we've never been, so that's... A hope for August. You, um, I'm hoping, thanks for asking, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I had my son send you a text a few months ago when I was driving, and I said, send Randy this text. And it was, uh, Randy, I lost my ball. 
your son sent me that? Like, yeah. from you? you yeah, know? of course, from me. Okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a famous line I'll never forget, but I don't want to explain that story right no. here online. I actually, one day when I was uh, working, when I had a job, because I don't, um, I was in Ottawa working at the radio station, and I was just talking to a producer, like I'm talking now with headphones on, and he recorded the entire story. I just started telling him this story about this kid who had one testicle. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you want to hear a story about a kid who had one testicle? Well, he had two. He did have two. <laughs> and he, remember his mom packed wool light. Do you remember that? But why did she do that? So we could wash his jock strap. Oh, I don't we, think we did. No, we didn't. Um, so what, what does this have to do with what you're doing this summer? Nothing, actually. Nothing at all. Oh, I thought this related to this Oh, summer. yeah. No, I'm helping unfor- uh, less fortunate children with one testicle. It's, uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a really... Yeah, no. It's, I can imagine how this connects to your yeah, summer plan. No, it's in Northern Virginia. It's called uh, Testy Fest. And it's... Um, <laughs> no, there's none of that. Right. Uh, uh, no, I want to get to New York because there's a few shows I want to see... Um, before they close, uh, but if you have a chance to get to New York, we took the kids a while, uh, about a year ago, we saw uh, this this new production of Sweeney Todd, which I don't know if your wife likes Sondheim, um, not everybody does, I found that out recently, but... I don't know, she's not, I don't know that she's particularly a fan. It was so great, it's such a, it's a small theater, and if you go, if you buy... Uh, a meal ahead of time, you get a meat pie. I don't know if you, you have you, you familiar with it? No. Okay. Well, you know, he's a barber. He kills people and the landlady turns them into meat pies. I guess, did Johnny Depp do a movie? Yeah. Yeah. He. Oh, it, I saw that. Okay. So. That's a Tim Burton movie. Tim Burton film. Yeah. But, um, the, I don't know if it still is, but it was Obama's old pastry chef who was making these meat pies. So you'd go into the theater like an hour and a half before the show and you'd have lunch or dinner, depending on if it was a matinee or not. Um, and then they clear you out of the theater, and you go in, and you go back, and it's all set up for the show. But it's like that immersive theater that's sort of like the popular thing now. Right. And and the show is happening like inches from your face if you're in, you know, if you're right up front. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it's a very small, the orchestra is three people playing about six instruments. It's great. It's great. That's it's cool. Great. So if you have a chance, because it ends in, in August, I think. But uh, yeah, there's actually a play I want to go see. I have no idea what it's about. It's called In and of Itself. It's uh, I, it's some kind of magic thing, maybe. But Frank Oz is the director. Yeah. And uh, I think Neil Patrick Harris is one of the producers on it. So no, I haven't heard of it. Let's go. It'll be better than Letterman. Right now I have plans in January, which is so far from now, to take my kids to the, two of my kids to the Harry Potter thing. Oh. Uh, is it called The Cursed Child? Yeah, I think so. On Broadway? Yeah. yeah. So my kids are very big Harry Potter fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought those tickets like months ago for something that is still forever away now. For like on a Wednesday in the middle of the school week <laughs> kind of thing. It's the only time I could get tickets. It's that. In, I didn't even know it was a thing. Is it playing now? It started, yeah. I think. Oh, okay. There's, um, yeah, uh, Moulin Rouge, the musical, is doing uh, opening soon in Boston before it goes to Broadway. I didn't know that. I just showed my daughter that movie this weekend. It's wonderful. She loved it. It's such a great movie. Uh-huh. I didn't watch the whole thing with her. I sort of went in and out. Did you have to explain the syphilis to her? 
I don't know. She didn't ask about that. I don't remember that. I never remember movies that well. Oh. Um, so you wouldn't remember detail like the DeLorean had to get to 97 miles per hour and it was 1.2. I, I know that it's off. not 97. In <laughs> fact, when we were in Cannes this year, there was even some Back to the Future, Back to the Future trivia over dinner one night. And I, I don't think I could be stumped. Really? What was like a question they thought was difficult? Now you're 10 bad memory. Did very well. Um, honestly. All right, Needles. Really tough questions you're asking me. I think it was questions like, you know, like Buford's name in the past, like Biff's name in the past okay. in 1885. It was like easy questions like that. Um, you know, what song did they were they playing when they fell in love? What was the name of the dance? Easy oh, stuff. very. These are softballs. Come Sim- on. Simple stuff or something. But that's what they could come up with because... You know, I said the only thing I wouldn't know is if they said, like, in the sports almanac, which team beat which team. Like, I wouldn't know that. Okay. Well, he did predict, though, that in that uh, the Florida team was going to win the World Series. But that was shown on the screen uh, right. in Hill, Hill Valley. Oh, they asked that question about which, for, which future star has a cameo playing a video game. Oh, that's funny, because Elijah Wood... <laughs> Yes. I was just in Philadelphia on the weekend at a comic convention, and he was there. And that would be the only reason I would have wanted to have met him. Right, I, you're all over the place. I, I've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies. What I always say about The Hobbit is that that's a movie that made, like, I have no idea, but, like, a ton of money. And I don't know a single person who saw that movie. <laughs> who are those people? Where are they? Yeah. Well, I once heard a comedian talking about, like, a Jennifer Aniston movie. And they were just saying, like, they should just make... $10 million right away because like that's what they're going to make. It doesn't matter what the plot is. It's always, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl. It's the same romantic comedy. Right. But she could be a friend of yours, so I don't know. She's not. <laughs> not that I would like to be friends. I'm sure she's a lovely friend. You have no degree of... We don't of, know each other. You do not know each other. No. Um, so I think we're going to really wrap it up. Really, I I don't know. Is there anything you wanted to cover? I re, I, I do really appreciate you doing this uh, with me. I'm happy to have a chance to catch up with you, and this is a fun way to do it. I know, and we never really. I don't know if you've got anything interesting here, I feel like this might be. I haven't listened to the other podcasts, but this might be among the you know less interesting ones you've done. No, no, no. They're, these I are. Mean, I've read some of your fiction writing and whatever. It's salty and funny. This is, seems tame by comparison. Well, some of it was salty. We we dropped the we said fuck a, a couple times and shit. I don't know if I did, but we talked about masturbation. Uh, you know, it's true. It's it was true. actually a topic we never talked about at camp. Really, no one ever talked about masturbation. Yeah, I don't recall. Not that I recall. How many summers did you? I left. I forget when. How many years were you there? I went for thirteen years. Staff and, and counselor, or yeah, uh, camper and counselor. Yeah. I went from 79 to 92 with one year off in the middle. Where'd you go in that middle year? I went to Israel. Of course. Have you been back since? We actually went back like two years ago on like a big family trip for the first time. I hadn't been there in like, I don't know what it was, like 28 years or something. We, I took, my son wanted to go see it because he thought maybe he'd go one summer after it fell apart and then everybody, they rebought it, I guess, or they reopened it under the new name. 
Um, it was kind of sad, I found. Oh, sorry, sorry. You've been back to camp. I yeah. you've been back to Israel. No. Uh, to camp. No, I have. I mean, I guess I went. There was that reunion once. Yeah, I didn't go. Um, I went to that. You lent me a copy of The Aristocrats on the condition I would go to the reunion. And you didn't go to the reunion. I didn't go. And you yet you still agreed to do this podcast. I know. I forgot about that. If I'd remembered. You, you would have said, no dice. I would have really held a grudge. Did you like The Aristocrats, though? Uh, I did. I still don't believe it's a real joke. <laughs> like, I wonder well, if that's the joke. It's more of a routine yeah. than a joke kind of thing. It's uh, like, like somebody says in the movie, I think it's like jazz. Yeah. You exactly. riff on it. Yeah. I, I've never heard anybody do it, like, live. I've never seen anyone right. do it live. Um, I, I like... So I really like Penn Jillette. I don't know if I really like him or sometimes I just get tired of... Like, I've listened to his podcast a few times. Have you... Uh, Sunday School? I haven't listened to it, no. Uh, I like him, but I like his magic. I, I, I like Showbiz Guy. I don't know if I necessarily like some of the stuff he talks about, like, in his... Well, yeah. I mean, in real life, I think he's got some very uh, controversial views. Yeah. That's a yeah. You're you're more succinct about it than I am. But he did write one of the episodes of Black Mirror. I don't know if you watched it. I've watched some episodes. So in this latest season, there's a um, an episode called The Black Museum, and it was written by him or co-written by him. I can't remember or based on a story he wrote. That's what it was. Oh, I haven't watched anything in this season. This was a really good episode that. I think the title scared me off a bit. I thought, oh, it's called The Black Museum. I wonder where they're going with that. But it's not at all about, like, African-American history or anything. Right. Like, I, that's what I thought. It can't be that obvious. Right. And it was good. Um, I think I watched it on a plane. Which I was having a panic attack, and I watched Black Mirror is a bad idea. How's that working out for you? I read about the panic attacks on planes. Has uh, that always been a thing? No, it only in the last uh, in the last since like the mid nineties. Oh. I started getting them, and then uh, I uh, I avoided like f- flying. I avoided any form of like mass transportation for the longest time. Like a bus even scared the hell out of me. Um, and then I started taking medication for it and it's great. It really is. But I still get a little panicky. And what, right. ha- what happened was I was supposed to get on a flight that morning and I took my Ativan and it really wore off. But I spoke to, I think two doctors and a pharmacist and they were like, no, you shouldn't take another one. It'll, it's not a good idea. So I ended up getting on a flight like nine hours later and that's what happened. I think you could have taken another one. I probably could have. Maybe I should have. Without any medical degree or any knowledge of like. Yeah, but you're. I would say that I've seen it done. You are medically like one degree removed, right? It's true. I hear things. You're doctor by proxy. I I give advice sometimes based on things I've overheard. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So I feel like you would have been okay. I probably would have. And the, it you get turned, into that situation again. I don't want to take, don't take my word for it. I don't want to be legally responsible or anything. I don't Or worry. morally. But I think you probably would have been okay to take one more. Yeah, I think I would have been fine. And really, they would have just had to have, like, you know, wheeled me off the plane in a, in a wheelchair or something. But it's, it, it's fine. Like, I get on planes and I take the Ativan and I tell the flight crew that, like, I have panic attacks. And they're always very nice to me. Except once right. a woman was like, I don't care. <laughs> 
so well. Where's the rest of your family? How come no one's in the background of this scene? Oh, I'm in the basement. And oh, this is the basement. It's yeah. very nice for a basement. Yeah, it is a ridiculous house. We're looking to uh, move now. So. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, whatever. I don't want so to. are you guys in Virginia for the long haul, or is this a temporary thing? I think it's, right now it looks like it's the long haul. I mean, we've put an offer in on another house, or we put an offer in on a house a few weeks ago, and because uh, we're renting this one. Right. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm still looking for a job, and my wife likes her job, and the kids have made some uh, f- some good friends. But it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough at the beginning. I mean, that's a big change. Yeah. Especially when we came down here when uh, it was like August of 16, so, and then the election happened, and like it really is a very divided place right now. Like really right. divided. You. You see it like everywhere you go. So I don't know. It's yeah. Most of the people we've met have leaned to the left, which is nice, right? Because um, I don't know how I feel about the ones who lean to the right. Yeah, I hope I don't alienate anyone on my podcast. Glenn Posner, in particular. Well, you're supposed to have your views, and I'm guessing Glenn Posner's views are similar to yours. <laughs> we've spoken so much. You know, it was funny. I'll tell you a funny story. A couple of years ago, Joe Jackson was playing in Montreal, and my wife couldn't go to the concert. And it was like four o'clock on the day of the show. I called up Glenn Posner, <laughs> and he came with me. And we were filling up gas on our way to Montreal, and Michael Tevel was at the gas station. <laughs> it's a name from the past. <laughs> it was the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> and then when we were driving, I wouldn't know Michael Tevel if I saw him now. So many years, I don't know what he looks like. I'm picturing like a 15 year old or something. Yeah, no, he. It was one of those things where I, I, I think I said to Glenn, "Is that Michael Tevel?" <laughs> and he was like, "But did you confirm that it was?" I did. Okay. I did. I I contacted him on Facebook, and he had no idea who I was, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me feel so good about how <laughs> what an effective counselor I was. That like <laughs> the kid spent six weeks with me. And had no idea who I was. <laughs> well, it's a lot of years. I know, and he looked a lot different. Like, like he was not the the slow child. <laughs> Never but you mind. still recognized him. I did. I did. I um, and that night, what else happened? Yeah, whenever I would go anywhere in Montreal, I would always go from where my grandparents lived, and it was right. it was like a useless route because there's a highway. <laughs> And so Glenn's telling me how to get to this nightclub we were going to, to see the show. And he was like, I said, oh, this is so much better than how I would have gone. He was like, well, how would have you gone? I said, I would have like gone up to, um, taken the boulevard to uh, whatever street and then taken something. He was like, that's the most ridiculous way I've ever heard. <laughs> this is what my Well, you know, he's a man of science. <laughs> yes, he is. A man of science. It's funny, I haven't spoken to him in like over 20 years, and I'll probably be like, why was Randy on his podcast talking so much about me? Did he mention me at all? Has he been on the podcast? No, I've yet to interview him. Oh, well, hopefully he'll have something to say. He uh, He's quite the world traveler, too. He went, I think, to like the Sochi Olympics, and he just was in Hong Kong. You should befriend him on Facebook. I am friends oh. with him on Facebook. So you know all about his excursions. I know some of it. Yeah. It's exciting. Exciting times. Anyway, that's all I got. 
Well, it's good to talk to you, John. I hope that this doesn't bore your listeners. No, I think it's out. great. The whole idea is to talk to people who are interesting, and you you check off that box on many different levels. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Are you uh, still no plans to come to DC though? Huh? No, I actually like we talk about. So I really want. I've been there only once for like I had a meeting with a company that was probably based in Virginia. Yeah. This is like five years ago. And so they drove me through DC for five minutes after dinner one night. And I've always wanted to come back. I'm really interested in all that stuff, but I just haven't had the opportunity. It's a, you know what? Like it's a cool city. There's a lot going on and so much of it is free. Like all the museums, well, not all of them, but like all the Smithsonian ones are all free, which is great. And uh, I'm sort of waiting till after 2020 to come. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's probably. We were talking part. about it with my son. We were going to do a trip. We were talking about going there because I thought like he's more interested in politics and stuff like that. And we sort of felt like, well, it feels better to come when you know a certain resident isn't there anymore. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully that'll only be uh, two years because the midterm is yeah. coming up. And I don't think it will be though. No. No, and I think his supporters are nutty enough to elect him for another. I really want it's. It's like you know when you see a movie and you want the underdog to win, and in this case, the underdog is the Democrats. I think. Right. And uh, I hope I hope they could pull it off, but. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen. But no, I again because all the polls were wrong the first like, you know, two years ago. Anyway, whatever. Right. I was that guy that they did a Saturday Night Live skit on that was kept saying that night, like, this is never going to happen. And oh. wait, there's still more boxes to open. <laughs> was that the like, Dave Chappelle one? It. Was that the Dave Chappelle? Uh, yeah, somebody did some one? skit about it. It was like, you know, about how like white people sitting like, I think it was Dave Chappelle who was talking about white people were just like, it's not happening. This cannot be <laughs> happening. Just refuse to believe it, even as it was unfolding in front of our eyes. Yes, it was. Hey, how do you feel I, about uh, people illegally watching movies online? I think it's wrong. Yeah? I'm very against it. Because also the movies are available online for, you know, really cheap. And if they're not yet out, then go see it in the theater, which is a much better way to see a movie anyway. Did you... Did, I'll, maybe I'll ask you, did you ever see this coming that like, you know, mo the most popular shows would be in like made out of studio or the most very popular movies, I should say, like are made, you know, on, they go to Netflix first or they're done like with Amazon studio or. Yeah, I guess I wish if I'd seen all of that coming, I would have been a big <laughs> shareholder of Netflix. But didn't you happen. Know, when I heard about Netflix and they were leaving, I mean, first of all, it was like that you know, DVD by mail thing, which, you know, struck me as like a oh, silly idea, I guess. And then they were streaming. It's like, who could have known? It's obviously, it's like the hugest company in the world right now. Oh, look, my wife just popped in and left. There you go. And a dog, apparently, because I see it. Yeah, tail. we have a dog. It's my little, my golden doodle. Do you have I a dog? I can only see its tail. Oh, do you have pets? We have a part-time dog. What do you mean? How does that part... There she goes. We we dog share. Oh, okay. Which who's, is the greatest? Who's dog? That way you don't have full responsibility, but you still have the love of a cute dog. Whose dog is it? It's Ricky, who's my work partner, and we work out of my house. So oh, okay. he brings the dog here every day, and then because he's younger and single and might go out on a Saturday night, you know, the dog sometimes stays with us. So and if whoever's traveling, the other person keeps the dog. So. 
We have the dog a lot. I think of him as my dog, but he's not officially really my dog. That's a good way to have a dog because it's yeah. a lot of work to have a dog. Yeah, so we don't like we don't have to have the work a lot of the time. And then you know what the worst part of having a dog is? They die. <laughs> but I don't like to think about that. Our dog's so young, he's a puppy. Oh, really? What kind of dog? He's a rescue dog, so we don't know exactly, but some kind of terrier. Okay. Yeah, this one is uh, a golden doodle. And she was given to us because a family was moving to China and they just couldn't take her. Because I always like to say she would have been food if they took her. So how old is she? She's eight now. We got her when she was just like uh, 18 months. So we've had her for about five five and a half years. What's her name? Her name is Juno. She came with that name. Oh. And uh, I actually just ordered her a new collar today from a place in Montreal where the woman called me up. To ask me a question about the collar that I had ordered online, and we kind of were like dancing around the issue of us both being Jewish because <laughs> we could kind of tell, right? Until I finally said, "Oh," and we were talking about like Karnatzel and and uh, <laughs> and Snowden Deli party sandwiches and stuff, and then right. I finally said, "Yeah, I used to pick up. I pick up a box when I was heading back to camp." Uh, right in at Pripstein's, and she was like, "Oh, my daughter goes to CBB Montreal." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say at that point. Yeah, we knew. We knew. Anyway, right. if you look, if you do get to Washington, uh, come I visit. will call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we won't see each other every fifteen years. Right. That'll be fun. Or if I'm in Florida at Christmas time, yes. around Country Village. We can have a ham sandwich with Buddy at uh, <laughs> for breakfast. For breakfast, so weird, but whatever. I love him right. so. Okay, go. Uh, I'm gonna go make some dinner now. What are you doing? All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. What are you doing now? Have a good one. What are you doing now? What am I gonna do? Yeah. I don't know. Probably like think about some dinner myself. I believe I'm barbecuing some burgers. Hey. So at some point, someone's gonna want me to do that. Okay. Well, Randy, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care, John. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Done and done. Great guy to talk to. Uh, always enjoyed our our, uh, our chats, Randy and I. Uh, what, a couple things I didn't talk to him about was how we used to trivia uh, play Trivial Pursuit with each other, where we would, uh, when we were co-counselors, we would lie on opposite beds holding a box of Trivial Pursuit cards, reading uh, questions to each other, which probably constitutes cheating. Um, Doc Ball, of course, did not even mention it, a game we made up based on the... Uh, Sports of tennis, uh, racquetball, and squash, and of course your knowledge of all three Back to the Future films. Uh, didn't talk to him about Doc Ball at all. Um, needless to say, Doc Ball was a, a large part of our uh, adolescence. Was it adolescence when you're in your 20s? I don't think so. Your young adulthood? Whatever it is, we did it. And um, there you have it. So thank you so much, and I'm hoping, I keep saying I'm hoping to get this one guy I want to interview, but we're, we're playing... We're playing uh, email tag, I guess, and uh, his schedule and my schedule just don't seem to jive. But I'm working on it, and I want to get it, and uh, I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Again, you've been listening to Too Lazy to Write, the podcast that's taken over the world with me, your host, The Real John Baker. Um, again, the website is the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write.com. And you can find me on Twitter at the Real John Baker, or you can go to the website and leave a comment. I appreciate all the comments. Thank you again, Gianni. And uh, there you have it for this Memorial Day weekend. Take care of yourselves, be good to each other, and thanks for listening. Bye now. Mm-hmm.
to write. We'll 